how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're back with a new category, another director study. And Dan picked this one. What'd you pick, Dan? I did. I picked Akira Kurosawa, one of my favorites. Who is this man, Dan? Give us some background. Akira Kurosawa is like one of the progenitors of Western cinema in Japan. He got in, I I won't say trouble, but he made a lot of more Western-themed movies later in his career that people didn't really appreciate over in Japan, but were big hits elsewhere. Um, Not to say that Japanese didn't like his movies at all. Um, I just know this one we're talking about in particular today wasn't a huge hit over in Japan when it came out, but it was everywhere else. But yeah, he pioneered a lot of different types of filming techniques and storytelling in his films that have been used throughout the years after he passed away. I've seen, I think, all of his samurai movies, and I've loved pretty much every one of them. He's a great director, knows how to frame shots perfectly, tell great stories, uses color really well when he starts doing that later in his life, too. He's just, like, really good, really solid all-around director. One of the best. I I know he's very influential. Um, Like, a lot of his older movies influence so much stuff in uh, Western film. I've even read, I don't know how true this is, like, we wouldn't have Star Wars without this guy. And what was it, The Hidden Fortress, George Lucas based that off of? Yeah, one we covered on the show. Yeah, that and this movie, Lucas took a lot from. Um, And then, of course, he took from, like, Buck Rogers and all that stuff, too. But I think Lucas's favorite movie is Seven Samurai, if I'm not mistaken, unless he changed it. Yeah, I've seen, I would say, a few of his movies now that I think about it. Hidden Fortress, this one, obviously, for the first time. And then, oh, Throne of Blood is one I've seen. And then, um, uh, Ran, probably. No, not Ran. Rashomon, yeah, Rashomon. That one's my favorite. I love Rashomon. That one is good. I guess you picked Seven Samurai. What what is that one about? Like, keep <laughs> giving us backstory, Dan. Well, actually, I believe I picked Seven Man, Samurai. Oh, wait. TV, TV picked Seven <laughs> Samurai. I'm sorry. Well, TV. I thought oh. Dan picked this one. Dan picked the category. Well, then you know the new law, right, TV? <laughs> the law. He who, he, he who picked it must give the movie yeah, introduction. It's a new era. Now that we've ousted you imperialist dogs. What? <laughs> I should have stayed silent. I should have said nothing. I might have squeaked by. But yeah, this is, I picked The Seventh Samurai. Uh, it's a movie that I picked because I actually, like a lot of Kurosawa movies, I own it, but I just haven't watched it yet. So, <laughs> you know, I always assume that it's going to be, at least I'm going to like it quite a bit with his movies. All other ones I've seen, I really like, so... Um, and I know Seven Samurai is kind of like his big movie. I would say it's probably his most famous one. Like people know that name um, and it's touted around the most probably. And it's like the epic, you know, it's like the three and a half hour long. Just I don't know how you would describe it. Just epic, I guess is probably the right word. But it's about, yeah, like a village who's going to be attacked by a bunch of bandits in like the next like crop season, I guess. So they go to town and hire seven samurai to come help them defend their village. And then there's like a bunch of training involved. There's yeah, the samurai like hanging around the village and then eventually defending the village. That's basically the gist of it. Yeah, it's a pretty simple story. It, it's funny you use the word epic because I'm not sure if I would consider this an epic style film. The length is epic. But it's really a pretty small-scale story. Yeah, I would say it doesn't really feel that way to me, though. I feel like it. There's, it's weird how it's like such a... Like, in this day and age, at least in modern movies, it's like, oh, 
the world's going to be destroyed. Heck, half the population's going to be wiped out. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like all this crazy stuff. And in this movie, it's really just about like a bunch of villagers. Um, yeah, a small village wanting to defend themselves from some bandits. And that's it. And it's not like, it's like there's stakes, obviously. Like, I don't want these villagers to get brutally killed or robbed or whatever, but. It's a lot different than you'd expect, but I think, you know, like the battles and stuff, all the people and everything like that just make gives it that really big epic feel. These samurai, some of them feel uh, a little more epic than others. You know, there's some, they all have interesting characters. It's interesting. I, and I think the length adds a lot to it too. Yeah. I mean, it's three and a half hours. It's hard to not describe it as anything as an epic if it's that long. <laughs> oh yeah. Just the sheer like scale of how many people are on camera, especially towards the end. I think makes it feel kind of bigger than it is. Because, I mean, it's like, what, there's like 30, 40 bandits? Which is really, like, not that many, even compared to, like, my favorite modern samurai movie, 13 Assassins, where there's like oh, 200 yeah. <laughs> soldiers <laughs> coming true. in. But it still feels huge in the moment. Yeah, I don't want to... We should throw out there right now, I feel like we just jumped right in, but there won't be any spoilers at first. Um, but we will eventually get the spoilers, so if you're worried about that, you can listen freely and we'll warn you when we, we get into the spoilers. So, Yep. The, you probably already know a little bit about this story. It's been done so many times and homaged so many times in so many different types of media. Yeah. There's not like a, any like huge twists or turns, I would say, either. It's kind of, it goes about how you'd expect, I'd say. It is from 1954 as well, so this is a pretty old movie. Yep, yep. Man, that was a great year for cinema, Japanese cinema. We got this, we got um, Godzilla, and then we got Samurai 1 as well. Oh, really? That came out this year too? Yep, that was like one of the, one of Toho's, well, I don't know if it was one of their first color movies or not, but I know it was like, it's one of the first samurai films in color that I remember seeing. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, it was like, yeah, you know, Godzilla came out in black and white, and then the second Godzilla movie was in black and white too. So I don't know. They must have been transitioning at that point to maybe. I mean, I have no idea. I guess I don't know enough about Japanese cinema, but it feels that way from the limited movies I have seen. But yeah, it is funny you're saying Fox. Yeah, the because it is just it's a bunch of bandits, but it's not like a a, a horde. It's it is like a a limited number. It does feel like a almost a war of attrition a little bit with <laughs> the like amount of people on each side when they're fighting. Oh yeah, that's a good way to put it. That they they've got armor and horses and stuff too, whereas the farmers do not. Something I liked about the combat in this one was it felt kind of more like this would go down. Like we get real stylized combat movies these days, but then this one they're kind of walking around just like poking at people with sticks. I wonder if that's like how fighting actually went down back then. Probably. It's the, the power of the spear. The spear is a very effective tool and... The olden days. <laughs> yeah, especially in this. Yeah, there's so many people just yeah, keeping their distance, poking people with spears. And I mean, even the guys with the swords were kind of just running around swinging them. Yeah, even the samurai are like a lot more grounded, I think, than some of the other ones we've watched. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe just a lot more fast-paced in all the fight scenes. Not a lot of taking time to watch a dude, you know, have a mini-duel and cut one guy down. Though we do get that at the start. That's true. It's not really like, yeah, except for a few moments, but it's not really like played up for the camera. Yeah, it is a lot of just like the guy swings a sword at somebody on a horse and then we can get a shot of the guy falling down. It's not, yeah, like the crazy stuff that we're probably used to seeing nowadays. I think it works really well here, though, you know, to be honest. Like I at first I was like, oh, hmm, well, I guess it's just going to be like that. I suppose it is old, but man, by the end, I was feeling pretty, pretty pumped. Yeah, and I think the the characters are all a lot of fun in this too. They're really, they're interesting. Um, the seven samurai themselves. I think that's really the main focus. We don't we get to know some of the villagers a little bit, but really it's the the seven. And I, I like all the the guys that are in the squad. I wish I kind of wish we would get to know some 
But I mean, this movie is so long already that I don't know where they would possibly fit in more <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, stuff. But um, I do like the squad. I kind of like their dynamic with each other and the interesting different like uh, personalities they each have. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it is so long we get enough time that they each get a pretty well-defined personality. We don't know them all as well as the main two, Kanbei and Kikuchio. I think's how you say it. Who were they? Kambe is the the old like mentor master samurai, and then Kikuchio is um, Toshiro Mifune, the crazy <laughs> guy. Yeah, though I I shouldn't say it that way because that discounts Takashi Shimura as well, and he's as good as Mifune is in this. I think this movie is like a smorgasbord of like famous samurai actors it's awesome like a greatest hits track man i agree i like how each individual samurai feels um, very different and they're pretty developed and flushed out yeah and they all have their own like personal reasons for joining and the film does a good job of kind of establishing each one of their like personal reasons like it's it's a it's a cool setup because it's like the villagers are poor and they can't hire anybody so it's kind of like you have to have a special type of person who wants to join in the squad. <laughs> so it's kind of cool to see um, the different reasonings and stuff, too. It takes like a full hour almost before they even get back to the village with all the samurai. So they do take their time and it's very well spent that way. Yeah, they do take their time. I think I've seen this movie twice and I think... Watching it this time, they did take too long for me to get to those big things. Because I checked, and it's two hours before the bandits even attack. I didn't notice the length as much the first time, but this time I did notice it. And I wouldn't say that's like a bad thing. It's still a really good movie. It's just, I don't know, this one seemed to take longer for me for this time. I, it was a little too slow in some areas. But they do do a good job developing everything, so. Mm -hmm. And w once the bandits do show up, then they're pretty much there the rest of the time as well. It is long, which uh, I was kind of like, oh boy, I wonder what I'm in for when I threw it in. But I was pretty impressed. I was not bored at all. Like, for, I don't even think a single moment of this. This is the first time I've seen it, though, so I kind of didn't know what was going to happen. But I was really impressed that he managed to keep me invested for three and a half hours. I didn't really ever, like, check my club my watch, you know, I checked my phone to like write down certain things, but that's about it. I wasn't really, I didn't really tune out at all either. I'm kind of with you, Mike. Like the beginning, I love first act was pretty invested, interested to meet everybody. But then the second act, I don't know, the, the pacing just kind of drug a little for me before the next big set piece. And obviously we can get into that more in the spoilers. But I think by the end, I was just so ramped up that I'd kind of forgotten that I was bored. I, I like that it's long, too, because like we said, we get that good buildup of them just establishing the villagers' plight and then going to get all the samurai, and then we get to know all their personalities and why they're doing it, and then they come back and start training them, and they develop the villagers and the samurai even more, so you, you care more about them, and then by the time the bandits show up, you're like, You've got all this time invested that you actually are, you're worried about what's going to happen for that entire last act. And it, it really works really well. I think a lot of the movies and stuff that ape this, they, they don't pull that off as well as this one does. And I think that's essential to what makes this one work so well. Yeah, I agree. Watching it this time too, it felt a lot more like, I'm going to say theatrical, more like a stage play this time to me as well just the way the scenes go about the way the characters interact the set design and stuff like that as cool you bring that up i think part of that's the way he films it too because you pretty much always get to see everybody all the time which is really hard to do when you have such a big cast of characters you know so you're like always seeing everybody for the most part the camera's always moving around and getting everybody in frame and stuff and all his nice long takes. Oh, this movie's filmed so well, but that's interesting you bring it up 
because it does feel like that, I think, a bit. I think I saw that he, uh, he or his cinematographer might have even pioneered some, like, multi-camera shooting techniques for this movie. Yeah, they used, like, three cameras set up. And this was, like, the first big movie to do that. Yeah, it's... Isn't it... I was listening to a podcast about, like, the history of this movie, and they are talking like it was the most expensive movie that Toho had ever produced. Um, and really, Kurosawa was kind of milking it. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he filmed, like, the first, like, hour, and, like, they ran out of money, and he's like, well, they have to pay for the rest because, like, <laughs> they're not going to just sink the money and then, you know, forget about it. They're not just going to throw it away. Yeah. So I, think that, I think that happened twice. I think he did. They gave him more money. He filmed some more and then they ran out and he's like, all right, uh, well, they have to pay for it because we're just we're getting closer, you know, <laughs> a, a bit more. Huh? Yep, yep. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Like Kurosawa is such a well-known figure nowadays. But when he was working back then, he had a hard time getting a lot of stuff done. I think. I think it's Kage Musha, actually. He had to get help from, oh, I think Lucas and Scorsese. He had to get help from them to actually get that movie made. It's either that or Ran. I don't remember, but I think it was Kage Musha. So, yeah, after all of these huge hits, he, well, I guess huge hits, not in Japan necessarily, but, you know, he was pretty well regarded by then, but he's still couldn't do everything he wanted to do yeah the the podcast i didn't i don't remember exactly what they said but they're saying yeah he was something about like kind of sensibilities like as the time went on like had changed and he he still wanted to make these big epic things you know which of course why wouldn't you but um i think like the sensibilities of even if just like the studios and stuff were like eh, we're not even interested in that kind of thing anymore like it's not worth it or something at least in japan yeah which is kind of a shame since yeah he's such a He's so well renowned now. It's some, yeah, it's like baffling that nobody would fund his movies. <laughs> I did see that they wanted him to like shoot on like sound stages and like in the city, and he was like, "No, no, we're gonna go out into the woods and we're gonna build a medieval village, and that's where we're gonna shoot." Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but man, this would not be nearly as awesome without that. I think because it feels so authentic. I agree. I was wondering like where they filmed this. Because the sets look great, the village looks great, all the farming shots look great. Heck, it, the whole movie looks great. I can't believe it's 54. I mean, we've seen stuff from like the 70s and 80s that are like blockbusters that don't look this good. A lot of that too is because it's Kurosawa and he knows exactly what he wants to do. Like, he's one of the guys who will um, storyboard out the camera movements exactly how he wants them done and then goes and does it, you know? So he's one of those rare guys who pretty much he's really ahead of his time back then. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just crazy that it's in like black and white, but like it almost feels like colorful even still. It's, it's weird. It's because of how strong is like, the cinematography is and his framing of the locations and the people. I mean, there, there's a really good video on YouTube from the channel, Every Frame of Painting, that kind of goes over Kurosawa's techniques for, um, you know, camera movements and cinematography and that kind of stuff. I'd recommend watching that, but they, they talk about how, like, there's never a static shot in any of his movies, and this one's a really good example of it. There's always something going on, especially with motion. Like there's rain in the background or winds blowing the trees or there's people moving um, or the camera's following somebody and it transitions from like point of view to over the shoulder and stuff like that. I, I can see what you're getting at, Fox, because it, the imagery is just so strong and so well done in this. I agree. There's one shot. Maybe it's a spoiler shot. That's my visual moment. Yeah, it is spoilers. I, have we hit that point? We I might guess. as well. Yeah, I say let's do it. Let's hop into spoilers or at least free ourselves of the binds of worrying about spoilers. <laughs> spoilers from here on out. Yeah. 
And we're going to, I guess, maybe break it down into the categories. We've kind of already been doing this, but story and acting and then visuals and audio. But I, I got to talk about this visual moment. It's at the end of the movie, almost the very end, where the samurai are like looking up at the graves and there's the, the sword stuck in the graves and then the graves of the villagers below that. That shot was so good. I was like, that's the visual moment. There's a lot of cool shots like that. Like there's the shot of the, um, oh, is the, what's the character's name? Um, Kiki Chio, Mafune's um, character, Kikuchio. He like climbs on top of a hut with the flag and like perches it. And he's like just sitting there kneeling. Oh, that, uh, I love that shot. And I mean, I think my favorite shot, it's like even, it's not even like a particularly like story important one, but it's just like in, when they're like trying to recruit samurai and they're in the village and it's like raining. I mean, it's like a close up on like a bucket or a bell or something. And like you just see like samurai, two samurais like walking in the background. I was just like, oh, that's like, that's a vibe. <laughs> I like that picture so much. <laughs> oh yeah. I like like, man, there's so many good ones in this movie but any shot that had the flag in it was like so good because there's so much meaning behind when they actually use that in a shot so many yeah i mean this is a really cool looking movie i i i liked yeah i no complaints at all in terms of like visuals or cinematography everything felt so authentic and looked so great agree that and the costumes Oh, man, I'm glad you said that. That was the first note I took. I mean, because we, we did another Samurai series, right? And I got to say, like, I think this might have, like, the best costumes we've seen. I don't know. But, like, everyone just had a super cool, varied look to them. Like, their own unique style. And am I crazy? Or were, like, all the katanas, like, different for, like, each character? Like, visually, noticeably different? I think so, yeah. At least Mifune's was because he was overcompensating yeah, he had for a big not being sword. a samurai. Yeah. <laughs> Kombe in his second definitely had like super cool, unique looking ones. I just I couldn't believe how many different like costumes and pieces they had found for this and for all the extras too. I think a lot of it was like legit actual samurai armor and stuff too. I didn't know back then that there were so many men with just their bare butts hanging out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ah, <laughs> there is a lot of that. The classic undergarment. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like, it's like the warriors. Yeah, they got like this cool like armor on top. And yeah, just like hanging out. You'll get the butt, just bare butt. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> no pants, huh? We're just going going shirts only here. What? There's a loincloth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a thong. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I love when, like, Mifune steals the armor from the dead bandit he kills to get the um, the rifle, and then he's just running around with his butt out the yes. rest of the movie. <laughs> but there's actually a really good shot at when he dies. He He's like, when he dies, he's like laying in the mud, and he's all dirty, and then the rain washes all the dirt away off of him. I was like, that's a really good... I don't even know if that was intended, but it... it it came off really nicely, but I mean, it is his bare butt that whole time, too, so... <laughs> but what a good shot, though. Like, how crisp and clear that mud is, just, like, slowly, like, rolling off his legs as he gets, like, rained on. That was kind of what blew my mind, I guess, this, like, being 54, was just how smooth and clear that was. It's great. I think another testament to the costume design and the characters and their acting too is like i was never once confused about who was who in this movie even though it's such a large cast of characters right they're all super distinct and part of that is the acting and part of it's like the costumes and stuff too so it's just stellar stellar all around Yes, I love that. Um, I was going to say the same thing, Dan, but slightly different. Yeah, the costumes and just the presence that the actors bring to the screen is very different. A um, few things I was going to point out was we talked about those big guys, um, like the two big stars. But I also like the guy who kind of um, hooks up with that uh, one girl. I don't know the names, but I like know the characters and know who they are. Katsushiro. 
Yeah, that guy, I thought he did good. And I like this really old guy. He's a villager. Every time he's on screen, he looked like he was incredibly anxious. Was and, it Yohei, <laughs> the, the guy who hangs out with yeah. Mifune the whole time? Yeah, I liked him. Yeah, I, I loved him. Every time he's on screen, he had that like <laughs> look on his face. And yeah. He was nailing it. I was like, that guy's amazing. There was one guy I liked from the seven. He was my favorite. The, the guy, he, he was constantly just in the background smiling. Like he was the guy who was always happy. I think it was. Oh, the, hey, Hachi. It was either it was a Hey Hachi or was it um no Hey Hachi was the wood chopping guy uh Gorobe he was like the the second guy they meet I thought it might have been him oh like Kombe's old buddy no no Gorobe like he was like he he was just interested in uh, the bald guy he thought he was really interesting and I think that's why he took up the cause he was the first to join after um Kombe was like I'll do it. Yeah, so I can't remember. I do get those two mixed up because those are the guys I think that don't have the most like development either. Whichever one, I think it was. I think you might be right. It might maybe it was Hibachi, the guy who's just smiling. He's always so happy. They were kind of similar, yeah. But I guess Gorobe did a lot of the like. He was right up there at the front of the line when they were like trapping people, the bandits in the village at the end. I think he was like really into getting them trained up and stuff. But yeah, they're all they all have like interesting quirks. I really like yeah the I never caught that guy's name. He was like actually like the the amazing swordsman that Do they ever say his name? Because I was like taking notes. Like two hours and forty minutes into the movie, they finally tell you his name and it's Kizo. Ah, <laughs> it was like the only one I didn't have, and I was so disappointed. My collection was incomplete. <laughs> he had that cool factor. Like that old time movie, like John Wayne or something like that, kind of cool factor. He just oozed that. He has the classic duel at the start of the movie with the guy and just <laughs> destroys him in one hit. Oh, that's true. Yeah. What an epic scene that is, man. I mean, yeah, I was going to be disappointed if there weren't any duels, and I'm so glad we got that one. He like even tries to tell the guy, hey, bro. I don't want to murder you. Don't want to kill you, man. Like, just saying. I think that's a cool thing that this movie does, too, is there's a lot of fights and battles in it, but they never try and glorify it. Like, you know, in a, a ton of these other samurai movies, um, the the one-on-one -on -one duels are very, very glorified, and they're cool, and they're really well done. But this movie, they take that different approach to where... It, there's a lot of fighting in it, but it's never glorified and it's always treated as what it would be like in reality. And like any time a villager, one of the named villagers, I guess, or one of the samurai dies, you really feel that loss throughout the rest of the movie. And it hits hard, which a lot of other movies don't really pull that off very well. But this one, we've got like a cast of seven samurai. Anytime one of them are dead, you feel that throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, the the realistic approach, I think, it adds like a layer of tension because things happen so fast. Like it feels like, yeah, you could just one swipe, one quick swipe from anybody could take you down. Like, whereas like in some of these other samurai movies, it's like, oh, this is all going to come down to like one man. We've already seen this guy chop apart five people, you know, in five seconds. Like, this guy's invincible, but in this movie, doesn't. no one ever quite feels invincible. Maybe except for the cool Master Swordsman guy, but even he isn't invincible in the end. But. Yep, he doesn't make it. It's funny, I, I saw this in the trivia on IMDb, but none of the samurai are bested in combat. The ones that die are all shot. They do them dirty every time. And they were worried about those rifles. It's such a like a sombering blow when they lose Heihachi at first. Like it kind of has like a swashbuckling adventure feel. And man, what a downer when they lose him. He was supposed to be the, the one to bring us joy, the funny guy. Was he the guy who got shot when they were going and burning down the place? Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, that was sad. I did the gun... Use did annoy me a little bit in this. I'm not gonna lie. Like, like you said, Dan, they only died to the guns, and after like it kept happening, I was kind of like, uh, this, this again, the cheaping out to just get get some feels, because you never like see a guy shoot it. It's always off screen. 
that they get shot from. I did not like that very much. Yeah, I always forget that guns like exist <laughs> in these movies. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Whenever a gunshot goes, I'm like, huh? <laughs> Where's the swords? What's going on? The bows and arrows. It's it's always surprising. I always forget how early guns became a thing. Oh yeah. Just like if you watch Ran or Kage Musha, they have a lot of guns in those. I kind of see what you mean though, Mike. I I don't know. It's it is like so fast, and it does feel anticlimactic. I guess at times, and it and just like it all it does is give you a heartbreak. I feel like it's like oh, but I don't know. It's, I kind of think it adds a little bit of that realistic flair to it too, though. Just like yeah, it could just happen, you know, a little one guy just out in the bush shot you. <laughs> That's it. But. I, I kind of get what you're saying too. There's no honor. I that's that's the point. I know. Also, I was, it just kind of frustrated me a little bit this time. Oh, I mean, I think it's very frustrating, especially when they lose like the the master swordsman guy. Because everybody else, it's like you know, in the middle of like a fight or like they're doing something. But man, he just gets just gets sniped in a brief lull. That one was a huge bummer. I was pretty disappointed, but. Like, I guess like what we're saying, yeah, it just comes back to that realism, sombering kind of feel to it all. There is no glory in war. Yeah, I was almost convinced everybody was going to die, you know, <laughs> but I'm surprised that three of them made it out at the end. And what a sad ending that is. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. They don't really relish in the victory. Like, the villagers are all celebrating, but then you're like, oh, yeah, these guys. It kind of, because, yeah, I was like, these guys are part of the village is kind of the feeling you get because they spend so much time there. But then at the end, you're like, oh, right. They're not. They're like outsiders who came to help, but now it's time to go. Like, it's, oh, they, they really didn't win anything. All they all they did was lose. Like, they just lost people. Which... The the samurai in this are really, really interesting, right? Because this is at, like, near the end of the actual samurai era in Japan, right? Because they're having a bunch, all those civil wars and stuff. So there's a ton of ronin out who have nothing to do and no lords to serve or whatever. So a lot of samurai turned to being bandits. So there's a good chance that a lot of those people that were bandits attacking the camp were actually samurai at one point. They never confirmed that or not, but it is a possibility. But then you've got all these ronin wandering around, and all of them, for one reason or another, agree to come and help out this village, even though it's not going to bring them like any honor or anything to increase their position. All they're doing is because they're supposed to protect people you know and they pretty much all agree to it and especially like kanbe or kambe you know he cuts off his top knot at the start just to help out some random person and get her child back it, that's like a huge deal um for samurai and really showcases his character and why the villagers were like this guy is gonna help us and if he doesn't then nobody will you know, but it's really cool. They don't play it up a lot, really. But that's like a huge thing, a huge thing. I think it's almost kind of a statement how nonchalant they are about it. Because, man, I didn't realize what he was doing at first. I did not realize that was a razor. And then I was like, wait, what? No, 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 you can't do that. I think you're you're right, Fox. It is a commentary on like the the cast system and everything because i mean that's very common in samurai films but i this one really hits it pretty hard just because all the the ronin do it pretty much just because they're they can yeah they don't have anything else to do either really yeah <laughs> they're hungry you know some of them are desperate they just want food yeah it's it's very interesting yeah like, it's a cool time to set this movie I like how the movie goes into like uh, the the critiquing of yeah like some of the cat the caste system stuff with the the villagers and you know how the samurai like turn their noses at the villagers for bringing in all the samurai armor that they like picked off of dead samurai or even murdered themselves to get the the armor you know and then it's only because of uh, Kukicho Chio I ah, sorry if I'm horribly mispronounced this the Mufune's character. Um, is the one who kind of brings them, like, helps them realize, you know, it's like, it's not that black and white. Like, you know why they do this. It's 
because of you <laughs> like like these guys are just caught in the middle of these conflicts as well like they have their own reasons for doing the things they do and um you guys affect each other and you know it's not just like uh an evil thing that they're doing either yeah you're, you're totally right and i mean they the villagers wouldn't have hired samurai if they didn't have to because like mifune points out it's like the samurai are one of the biggest causers of why the the farmers are living like they are right they're going around and and pillaging the villages and stealing their food and their women and stuff so yeah why would they trust the samurai they're just doing it out of desperation because they don't want to be wiped out by bandits well since we're talking about the villagers i might bring up kind of my one sort of criticism of the movie that i've got it's not a big thing but, good lord, did those villagers annoy me. Like, the guy who plays Yohei, like, he does a great job. And you know he does a great job, because that dude is so hateable. Oh, man. Yohei? No, yes. Yohei's not hateable, is The he? timid old man who's always like, We gotta <laughs> oh, abandon okay. the plan! We gotta run away! We gotta surrender and die! Get rid of all the samurai. We should hang ourselves. He slept with my daughter. We should just commit suicide because of that. No, that's different, dude. That was Monzo. Well, they're both annoying. Yohei's like the comedic relief. He's the guy with the horse that... (laughs) He's the whiny one who's always crying, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's him. (laughs) It just annoyed me how, like, pathetic and whiny the villagers were the entire movie. Like, I don't know, man, I, they did not feel heroic. And at the end, when, like, you know, Kambe's like, the victory does not belong to us. It belongs to the peasants. I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't. It belongs to you, Kambe. But, I mean, like, I get it. Like, you know, it's medieval times. Realistically, they probably would have been cowardly and pathetic and whiny. But, it, I don't know, it did not endear the villagers to me, like, ever. Because, I mean, they were constantly like, ah, we should just give up and die. like all the time it was such a struggle to get them to like want to like live and fight back i can definitely see that like that's a big portion of the movie too that's like a whole hour and a half probably well what about what about rikichi rikichi's cool don't get me wrong he's like the young angry one yeah yeah his wife got kidnapped and terrible things happened too yeah, it's interesting. I, I kind of like they. I liked uh, Yohei. He endeared me just because he was always hanging. He always was so like awkward <laughs> around Mifune's character, but like that you could tell that they were pretty close. I was heartbroken when Yohei died. I was like, oh, oh no, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because Mifune left for personal glory. Yep, yep, and his, basically his one of his good buddies. Yeah, I, I felt like those two bonded a lot, and I liked that. I did too. Well, and after. Like that happens, Mifune's completely different for the rest of the film and just wants to die, basically, and achieves that. I see what you're saying though, Fox, with the villagers. Like Rikichi really is the one of the only ones who's represented as not like super cowardly all the time. Though they do like I mean, dur- during the battle, besides Yohei, they're they pretty much are banded together and taking out the bandits themselves for the most part because the seven couldn't have got all of them on their own so they really do have to rely on all those villagers and they step up to the to the task so that's that's why it didn't bug me as much plus we get that awesome scene with the with the old grandma coming out to stab the prisoner (laughs) (laughs) That old grandma scared me. When that music kicked in with the, like, choral, like, oh, like the low, like, oh, man, I was spooked. I was like, that's horrifying. <laughs> what is she going to do? I was like, oh, she's going to kill him. Okay, okay. Well, it's a good, like, um, turning point at showcasing where the villagers, like, how much they've learned, right? Because they're always running away at the start. But then when they get to that part and they capture the dude, they're all just, like, chomping at the bit to stab the guy and the samurai are like you can't do it he's a prisoner of war he's surrendered then here comes old grandma with their pick the samurai are like oh we can't tell her no i guess (laughs) yeah that was good a character i want to talk about is 
Kikichio Toshiro Mifune's character. I think we should talk about him a lot, or at least just a little bit. Um, he was very interesting in how different he was, and he was the most interesting out of the samurai for me, just because he shows, like, emotion. Um, and the scene I'm going to bring up is when he saves the little, like, baby from the burning um, house when the bandits attack, and he's like, this is me. Um, that scene was so well done, like, done, and it really, I got to connect with his character, where I didn't always get that with the other samurai, which was kind of interesting and cool. Yeah, they really explore him the most, I think. Because um, he's, yeah, he's kind of like the outsider within the samurai's group anyways. They didn't really want him. He kind of, like, volunteered against their wishes, I guess. <laughs> he just follows them around. But he really does earn his way in, you know. He's, he's, he's a goofball, but I don't know. He's kind of like, in both worlds, he understands the villagers and he... He tries to fit in with the samurai. Like, well, yeah, I, I did like him quite a bit. Is he actually a samurai, or like, did he maybe like steal some stuff and pose as one? I think he's posing. I mean, like his family tree is fake, obviously. Which uh, that was like one of my favorite scenes. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> they take him on. They're just like, look at this guy. <laughs> Good try, yep. buddy. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> He is very interesting, though. Like that scene you're talking about, Mike, is a great culmination to when he tells off all the samurai earlier in the film. You totally understand everything about him when you get to that part. He was super funny for me as well. Like the scene where the somebody's shooting him out a gun. It's the, like one time somebody does miss. It's they miss him. And then he jumps up there and he like <laughs> moves up with his yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smacks his butt, and they shoot at him again. He was funny, yeah. His interactions with the villagers were always my favorite. I feel like he like, yeah, his like he he knew it too. Like he was like hamming it up for him all the time, and like just being super goofy and weird. Like all the children are following him around because they love him so much. <laughs> He's so goofy. It's weird because. Yeah, I, I like the development that he's actually, like, really, like, personable with these people because when he first joins the group and he sh he's, like, hanging out with the villagers, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to, like, ruin everything. I've thought for sure he was a complete scumbag, but he's not so bad. Yeah, he's actually a pretty personable guy, you know, once you kind of get to know him, even if he's got his flaws still, you know, he's he's still a pretty fun guy. Yeah, I appreciated his kind of tough love approach to, like, his squad and training the villagers, you know? He's like, you know, I'm proof that you guys can do it, that you guys can be brave and fight. I will say if I had any complaint about his character, I think sometimes like his, it might just be like the acting style. Like sometimes he would just like scream randomly. Like he, he wouldn't like say words. He would just be like, ah, and then like say something, you know, I, I got a little bit much for me, but he kind of stops doing that after a while. But I, I, that that might be my most minor of complaints, but it's, that's like the only big complaint I have. It's just sometimes he got to be a bit much with his just yelling and uh, like, I don't know, his vocalizations, I guess. He's got to overcompensate when he's around all the samurai because he's not a samurai <laughs> and he doesn't want to be seen as a farmer either. I think I saw that Toshiro Mifune said this was his favorite character to play because he got to be more of himself, which is kind of weird because he's usually pretty like reserved and stoic in his other roles. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it is different than yeah I'm used to seeing him, which is neat. Yeah, he's not the like the head honcho, though I do think like he's a great like counterbalance to Takashi Shimura as Kambe though. Like, those two work so good off of each other. It's it's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love I love his, like, little quirk of just, like, rubbing his bald head whenever he's just, like, thinking. He's like, hmm, and he starts rubbing. I don't know. Something about that. He's just, he's, he's also very endearing. But, yeah, he is, like, kind of, like, the noble guy. He, he's going to do the right thing. And very, he's, he's a very good leader. Oh, yeah. He's, like the perfect example of like a mentor leader for that type of character right he like he just nails that and i don't think the movie would have worked as well 
if he didn't nail that, you know, because a lot of this does like revolve around his character. He's not as like grandiose as Mifune, you know, he's more reserved, but him and Mifune, if their characters didn't like, if they didn't nail it, this movie wouldn't have worked nearly as well as it does. So and I love his, uh, I don't know. It's, it's also his ending is super sad too, because he mentions in the beginning, he's like, he was telling uh, Katsushiro, like, you don't want me as your, like, your master you know i'm i've lost like every battle you know or every war i've been in and then even at the end of this he considers it a loss because (laughs) half of his team is dead and he's got to go back on the road like he still doesn't really win at the end of this either i do think it's interesting that the bandits there is really like no bandit leader that we get to see they're just kind of the force of evil throughout the the movie and i kind of wish we got to see a bandit leader i think that would have made um some of it a little bit more engaging for me isn't the the eye patch guy the leader is he i thought he was like the big bad although his like death scene and fight scene is pretty anticlimactic i i maybe if we got to see him more i kind of forgot he was in this until you said that he was the leader most of the time we just get bandits coming in and then they get them killed. Yeah, I noticed that too. I could have sworn we were going to get a lot more with the bandits because it's like the first thing we see. I was like, oh, we're going to like learn about these guys too and kind of what, what they're going through. But really we don't. Like it's just we really just focus on the seven samurai, which, yeah, I just it's so hard to decide what. Yeah, <laughs> do I want another 30 minutes with the bandits? Maybe. I don't know if it was good, I guess. But yeah, I I kind of agree. I think that's interesting that they don't really ever focus on them like at all. Um, We never really get to know them. The most we do is like when uh, Mifune's character infiltrates and disguises himself and talks to some random bandit. And then that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Kills them. It's not a huge gripe or anything like that. I do think it's interesting looking at this movie in like a historical perspective that that's not in this because typically I feel like if this movie came out today, we would get more of that, get more of a bad guy villain aspect. But this is really focused on the Seven Samurai. Yeah, they're mostly just like a, a nameless mob that they have to repel. There's not really any too much depth to them. I mean... There's that interesting historical aspect you were saying, Dan, which is adds kind of a layer to it. It's like, oh, these guys are probably also, at least some of them, samurais or old samurais, you know, which is interesting. I, I That would have been kind of nice, I think, to maybe touch on that a little bit. But it's, yeah, it's not a huge issue for me either. Like, what if, what if one of the um, people at the start who rejected to help them ended up being one of the bandits at the end? That could have been really cool, I think. Yeah, that would have been interesting. That's kind of what I was going to say. I feel like that's what they are, basically, is, you know, they're 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 what the Seven would have become or could have become, maybe, and what the people who rejected the offer probably are. And it, it plays well into the caste system critique again, too, right? Because it's showing, like, yeah, these guys, they're probably in with the bandits, but the, the noble samurai who agreed just to help out just because that's what they should do. Well, and they get free food too, but no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's a good critique on that showcasing like, this is what you should be doing. Mm. I feel like we already talked about the visuals um, and a little bit about the audio. Anybody got anything about the audio? I love the music a lot in this. Yeah. I don't know. Something about, about these old Japanese movies. Like, I mean, Godzilla's got a killer soundtrack. This has got a killer soundtrack. Like it's, it gets creepy. Like I said, with the old woman and like the low like vocal stuff, I was like, oh my, that's like genuinely disturbing. I was like, I said it up my seat. I was like, what is happening? And then there's like the nice, like just kind of like more traditional what you'd kind of expect, but it's all still really, really great. Oh yeah, the samurai theme. Oh, that's so good in this. Whenever that flag is used and they use it, oh, that's so good. And then that opening track during like the opening credits too. It's very like impending doom feeling a bit. It sets up a dour mood. Yeah, I, I liked all the the audio stuff in this, the 
I don't know. I guess the sound design I didn't really notice per se, but I I guess that's a good thing, right? Like I didn't think it was bad either, so it worked perfectly for what it was doing. The thing I noticed the most about the sound was every time there was a horse on screen, man, was it loud. Yeah, that's and true. I, I did like that. There's a difference between the dude fighting on a horse and the guys on the ground just with the spears, and it made it like very apparent, like brought it home with how loud the horses probably would have been running you down like that, very grounded. Makes them very scary, yeah. Yeah, which they would be scary to the villagers because they don't. They don't have horses. They can't afford horses. <laughs> what one thing on the audio I wanted to point out is this was done before they had like before they had before they started doing like impact sounds for cutting people. Kurosawa and his team actually started that in Yojimbo, which was in sixty one. That was the first movie where they started doing that and they would like stuff raw chicken in like some like wood chippings or straw or something and then they'd slap that with the sword to produce the sound of them cutting people i i can't believe i didn't realize that yeah i'm so i didn't even think about yeah where's the cool sword sounds <laughs> but no yeah that's true i didn't think about that at all like i i wonder if they went back and added those in if it would feel out of place or not i'm not sure I think it'd be weird in those big battle scenes, just with how many swords are flying around and people getting whacked by stuff. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it like gives it more of a less stylized feel even, kind of keeps it everything moving. It makes it feel more fast and quick, I guess. I don't know. I guess, have we done it? Have we defended the village, the review village? <laughs> I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, I feel like we could talk about this one for a while. I don't have any more notes, although I... Stopped taking notes at a certain point and was just like, you know, this is all pretty straightforward. <laughs> I did too. And I was like, you know what? I'm having such a good time watching this. It's like, I'll just, if anything really feel important, I'll take it down. But I was like, I think I'll be good. Yeah. Nice. Well, then I guess it's time for overall presentation. What's the scale, TV? So the scale, it goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We're all going to give our own little spiels, what we think. We're going to land out our own ratings, so who knows? What will, what will be the final blow to this movie? Will it live in glory, or will it fall in dishonor, I guess? I don't know. Um, we'll find out, but I've got a pretty good feeling about this one. We'll see. We'll see. But, you know, the story did remind me um, of four legendary movie fans who roamed the countryside. And were known to, uh, you know, partake in movies and go to villages and talk about movies and stuff. Till one day they noticed that one member of the group would always kind of sneak off and disappear for a little while. You know, he'd, you'd have some notes, he'd take them and he'd run off and he'd come back, no notes. It's very suspicious. So eventually they followed this, uh, this guy and, um, they found out he'd been sneaking into this old hut with a microphone, and he'd been recording all his thoughts secretly without <laughs> the others knowing. Um, and, you know, they, they, they took it pretty well. Um, and in fact, some say they took up the microphone themselves and began recording as well. But <laughs> uh, the first person to pick up the microphone was a legendary man named Mike. The legendary man, so, Mike. In honor of that legendary Mike. We'll have our own Mike go first, I suppose. Oh, I thought I was going to be the legendary <laughs> Mike with the mic. Maybe his spirit lives on through you. Hmm. So this is the second time I've seen this movie. And I, what I like most about when I watch this one is watching it kind of through like the historical lens. Because this movie is pretty, pretty influential. I just looked it up. It's like number 20 on the top 250 of IMDb. It came out in 1954. It is long. The second half kind of gets a little slow for me this time. Um, but I do really like a lot of stuff in this. If you are a fan of old film or like samurai movies or just Kurosawa or you're interested in it, this is a good one to watch. Um, I'm going to give it like for me personally, I'm okay just watching this 
it doesn't get to the buy to me, but I recognize how influential this film is, and that's pretty cool. I think people should definitely watch it. Check it out. Definitely. I agree with everything the legendary Mike said. There's there's no denying the just I don't know, yeah, the huge impact this movie had and its value as a historical film. It, it it feels so authentic, like a window into like feudal Japan. It, it's nuts. The production value of this movie is is off the charts. I can't believe it's fifty four. I was stoked to watch it, and it did not disappoint. You know, I've I've got my gripe a little about the middle kind of dragon, the villagers, but even when I was bored, I, I was still excited to see where it would go. And I mean, by the end, I, I was pumped, and I'm still thinking about it three days later. I've been kind of teetering on the edge of watch or buy, and I, I, I think I'm going to go with the buy. You know, it's still on my mind. I've been in a huge samurai movie mood now. It just got me so stoked. Yeah, fans of samurai movies and film, and people just like old movies. This is a great all-arounder, and I think an easy buy. Add it to your collection. Yeah, I I absolutely love this movie. Uh, it's probably my new favorite samurai movie I've seen. Um, despite any minute, the most minor of gripes I've stated in this, uh, it was not even consequential at all. I think this is a masterpiece. Um, the The characters are all really interesting, and it's like the biggest like I guess pro to this movie is that it's three and a half hours long, but I never really felt like it was like, I was pretty much hooked the whole time. Like literally it was pretty much my entire evening watching this movie. And I was like perfectly happy to do so because it was so good. Um, I, I was just really impressed with it. And yeah, like Fox said, all of a sudden now I'm so glad we're doing a Kurosawa category because I foresee more samurai movies in my future and I want to watch more samurai movies now. So I'm definitely going to give this a buy. I'm glad that for whatever reason I bought this on a whim at CD Trade Post like five years ago, and I'm glad I finally got to watch it. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely a buy it for me. Well, you know, I'm not going to get up here and tell you to not buy this movie. You know, it's Seven Samurai. This is like Kurosawa's like number one most well-known feature. It's not my favorite of his, but, you know, it's Kurosawa. All of his movies are, like, stupendous. He's one of the old masters that a lot of your favorite directors from nowadays look back on and were inspired by. He's just, like, he makes great films. His camera work is on point. Literally, this movie and many of his others, you can just pause it whenever and it's going to be a good, like, screen grab or a wallpaper or something. Something you'd want to display in your house. It it just looks so good. And he gets such great performances out of his actors, and he's a, a master at telling story. It, it It all comes together really well, specifically in this movie. I think because it's such a low-key story, it just... Put, he puts so much meaning in everything in, in this film and all his other ones, too. But this one in particular, I mean, it was pretty early on in his career um, when it comes to his samurai films, anyways. It's inspired so much coming after it. I mean, we talked about the influence it had on the Western genre of film specifically. But, I mean, this this is like one of the earliest examples of an ensemble movie like we get that a lot nowadays with your superhero stuff you know but kurosawa is one of the first people to do it it's, it's just so much meaning in this it's so influential it's such a good movie it's one of my favorites for sure yeah this one's great um buy it for sure nice yep about where i thought it would land that's good strong first movie and now i'm hankering for more dang it i want more well, that's good. We've got more coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's got a pick, anybody? Dudes, I, I got my Kurosawa pick I'm going to do here. It's going to be this movie. I I didn't even know what it was. It's called Dreams. Hmm. Yeah, that's one I've never even heard of. 1990 Kurosawa. So we're going from 54 to the 90s. <laughs> it just one jump here, so. I think it'll be interesting. We can compare Seven Samurai to Dreams a bit, the style. I haven't seen this one, so. And this is like a 
not Sam Ram movie. This is like a no. It's it's like a bunch of his recurring dreams or something that he had, and he wanted to film them or something like that. So it'll probably be a lot different. Eight of director Akira Kurosawa's recurring dreams. Martin Scorsese's in this. <laughs> huh? <laughs> like as an actor? Yeah. Go look at the thumbnail for it. It looks nuts. And the like video it wants to play on IMDb on the phone app looks slightly concerning. <laughs> dreams or nightmares? Mm, we'll find out. But in the meantime, if you have any listeners out there want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at RunTheReal, or you can email us at RunTheRealPodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about Seven Samurai or Kurosawa or anything like that. I want to know. Is it a masterpiece? Does it hold up? Does it not? Tell us. Tell us your thoughts. Yeah, get in contact with us. Tell us about the samurai, your favorite samurai movies or Kurosawa movies. He's got a bunch. He's got like 30... He's director on. Do it. Yeah, be sure to tune in next week for the continuation and to his dreams, Kurosawa's. But anyways, yeah, thanks for listening to us tonight. We really appreciate it. This is Run the Real signing off. Mm-hmm.